welcome to another classic episode of the Reclassico podcast. I'm your host, Alex Young, and joining me for one night only, cold like a Sprite soda, it's Mario DeStefan. How are you doing, Mario? I'm doing great, Alex. Uh, I'm pumped for this one. Uh, thank you for the introduction. And um, I'm you're not little, here for you're one night pumped. only. One I'm, night. A, I'm, a little, I'm a little pumped, a little pumped. And uh, this is going to be a great one. I hope I'm not here for one night only. I hope this isn't my last night. But, um, you know, you know I hope if you, you don't want this for life. Yeah. If you can't, if, you, if, if I can't be your wife, uh, Alex, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about yeah. the future of this podcast, I guess. I have four different hosts lined up. It's, <laughs> it's not exclusive. We're not doing any single podcast hosts. <laughs> Open. Yeah. So speaking of open, you want to talk about maybe like the album we're going to be talking about that we've been <laughs> making references to that maybe the audience hasn't listened to? Like what, what are they getting into if they turn on this podcast? Yeah. So we're getting into a really cool one uh, today, guys. Uh, Alex and I were really excited about this for many reasons that I think we'll get into. Uh, some weird reasons, some silly reasons, and some very legitimate reasons about uh what makes this album uh, interesting, definitely worth a listen, and sort of ushers in a, a strange era in, in rap music. And, and this uh, the album that we're talking about, of course, is uh, Lil Yachty's debut mixtape, Lil Boat. And this uh, mixtape comes out in uh, 2016. Do you have the uh, exact date on you, Alex? Uh, so it comes out 2016, March 9th, specific. March 9th, 2016th. March 9th, Little 2016. Uh, Lil Boat. Lil Yachty had been gaining some traction. His single, quote unquote, for his debut for this debut mixtape was uh, a song called One Night that was used in a uh, viral comedy video. I know you want this for life Taking pictures with all my eyes But I can't have no wife I just want you for the night Sort of uh, TikTok-esque blow up for, for Lil Yachty In terms of sort of the song uh, being a, a funny inclusion In this viral comedy video where people were interested in hearing some more and uh Lil Yachty definitely came through with some more made his debut mixtape here with Lil Boat uh had some uh surprising uh features and connects in the industry but uh largely was a very unknown figure and comes out with a, an album that uh has a very cool album cover and a very unique interesting sound Alex do you have anything else to say sort of about uh this album more generally yeah so I, th I think one question maybe a lot of people have is why are we doing this album? And when we were coming up with albums for the podcast, Lil Yachty, Lil Boat showed up and we were both like, yes, we we're both like, yes, let's do it. That's an automatic podcast. 
we need to do this first. And the sound is kind of bubblegum trap. There's a lot of crooning. There's a lot of singing from, there's a lot of auto-tune on this. There's a lot of whimsical quaintness, I guess is how you would say it. Mario, I guess, why are we doing this pod? I think that's an existential question that I, I think we both want to do it, but I'm trying to put the words to it. I think it's a great question. And um, one thing we'll note of the albums that we've done so far and the albums that we may have lined up for the future, I guess the reason that this stands out and the reason that it is such a good question of like, why are we doing this? Is that this isn't perhaps the most popular album out there. This isn't the most um, influential, uh, certainly not the most well-received and largely speaking in a general level, this is, the least big album that we've done. Uh, and so it's a fair question to ask, why why do this? Why give Lil Boat the attention? There are many average trap-related mixtapes out there. Why this one? And I think uh, the answer to that is sort of, I think that this mixtape really defined very brand new sound that was just about to burgeon, which is this Alex said it bubblegum trap sound that sort of uh, initiates what what was known as the the SoundCloud wave that kind of lasts from 2016 uh, to 2018, 2019. Of course, it, that sound ends up branching in a lot of other directions, but Yachty ends up being the first to kind of use that sort of internet fame, you know, get popping on viral videos, um, have a sort of sound that sounded much like the SoundCloud era in general, sounded nihilistic and weirdly uh, detached. All of this kind of culminated in an album that weirdly was influential. And although Lil Yachty's career since has not been the most well-received, and he's definitely, uh, if you ask around the rap community, uh, he's not that well-respected of a figure. But regardless, this mixtape in particular brought something special. And I think there's an aura surrounding it that makes it sort of a novelty and uh and and sets it sets it apart in terms of bringing something brand new you mentioned maybe the start of a new era i think one of the best ways this is portrayed is in pitchfork's review so pitchfork did not like it they gave it a 4.8 however one really interesting sentence comes from this review and it says lil yachty inhabits a post-regionalist rap universe a space defined by digital platforms rather than geography. And that goes to a lot of what Mario is saying. So there's no East Coast, West Coast thing going on here. And even though a lot of these sounds may aggregate to certain regions like Atlanta, like maybe New York, Chicago, there's this birth of what Mario describes as the SoundCloud era, where people, instead of blowing up on certain mixtapes or blowing up in certain with connections in certain communities, they're, they're blowing up on digital platforms. And when we talk about blowing up, can I tell you about Lil Yachty's crazy seven month stint? Please. So this is an, an insane ride. So December, 2015, the one night viral comedy sketch goes off. Lil Yachty blows up overnight. He gets 39 million streams on SoundCloud. He takes January off of January, 2016 off February. He models for Yeezy season three in the Life of Pablo Madison Square Garden show. So his modeling career is taken off as well. March, a little boat is released. April, his hit song Broccoli with Dram comes out and gets to number five on the Billboard Hot 100. 
May, so we've got March, April, now May, he has his legendary double XL cipher with Denzel Curry, 21 Savage, Kodak Black, etc. And then June 2016, he signs a record deal with Quality Control at an Atlanta-based label where Migos, Quavo, etc. is there. So he goes from relatively obscure to absolutely blowing up and being one of the household names of rap in a period of six to seven months, which is... <laughs> We, we described Travis Scott's rise as being meteoric, but that took six or seven years and is still going right now. And while Yachty isn't quite to those heights, like it's such a compressed blow up, right? maybe indicative of the SoundCloud era. Absolutely. Definitely indicative of the SoundCloud era and uh, the new internet era that's uh, kind of upon us. It's a very good point to, re- to realize that it's non-regional and uh, Yachty was able to kind of branch out due to his internet fame. Not necessarily the first to do that. Contemporaries like Soldier Boy uh, kind of call, uh, call back to that and using the internet as their main platform. And certainly there's a lot of genuine regional influences. Atlanta Trap is here, sort of that North Florida sound is here, present uh, and definitely present throughout the SoundCloud era. But it was a sort of way to, to, to use the internet as, as the main platform. Uh, a comparable situation is what you've seen Lil Nas X do over his own meteoric rise recently, where similarly to that, Lil Yachty at the time was, you know, had a very poppin' Twitter page and he was really funny on Twitter uh, and he would retweet other viral videos that came out with his songs and he was, um, you know, genuinely uh, interested in other ventures outside of, uh, of the music too, like fashion, as Alex mentioned. And that all allowed him to gain sort of a following that was a little bit larger than what he might have been able to get if he just stuck to classic Atlanta trap. So and he, again, he was the first to, to do that combination of things, all of which define the SoundCloud era for years going forward. So I guess kind of going into the more specific questions about this album in particular, having set the field, set the tone here, uh, Alex, what were your what were your impressions when you when you first listened to the album? So I first listened to it because my favorite YouTube reviewer, Anthony Fantano, gives it a decent to strong seven out of ten, which is relatively high. And he got a lot of flack for it, especially because the next year he gives Kendrick Lamar's "Damn" a seven out of ten, the same score, and he gets a lot of flack for giving something as fun and kind of like freewheeling and kind of just slapped together little boat as the same as the Kendrick Lamar quote unquote masterpiece. And I listened to it once I downloaded the mixtape on datpiff.com. I hope that I didn't get a virus, but I liked the never sw- the song never switch up. And that was kind of my experience and just kind of moved it to the side years later, the song effed over became one of my favorites. And I have a story about that we can maybe talk about a little later in the pod. What about you? What has been your experience with, with Lil Yachty? Yeah, so um, I was aware of this uh, mixtape when it dropped. I had heard One Night because of the viral video. Uh, and I had heard the, the song. At that point, it only had one verse. And he added another verse for the, for the mixtape version. 
So I was aware of it, but I didn't actually give it a listen until uh, the Fantana review as well. Uh, and I was surprised people kind of, uh, I mean, this was, this was pinnacle uh, era of like, you know, meme rap. Uh, there was a lot of this going around. There was like this kind of like uh, very lighthearted, don't take yourself seriously. We're not lyrically focused sort of fun rap that was going around. If people remember Ugly God was around that same era in a lot of viral videos. Yeah. Denzel Curry, others that kind of made, joke rap, lighthearted rap. Uh, and this is definitely not something that people expected critics to take seriously. Most critics did not take it seriously, but uh, Anthony Fantano, for some reason, sort of praised it for a couple of the reasons that we've already mentioned, given its sort of uh, unique bubblegum trap style. And the fact that it is sort of uh, self-aware in that in that sense, it's not trying to take itself seriously. It's not cringy in in the sense that it's like, oh, this is uh oh, like you get secondhand embarrassment. It's like no, Lil Yachty kind of knows what he's doing. He's playing around with it. Uh, he's being funny and silly on purpose. He's he's being uh, auto tune croony in an almost ironic way. He's rapping when he needs to rap, and uh, he's saying funny things. So uh, when I listened to it, I was like, this is surprisingly good. Uh, it was kind of my guilty pleasure, low effort rap uh, at that point. Uh, I, I gave it one listen through and I really enjoyed a lot of the tracks. Uh, Wanna Be Us is a track that I really liked on first listen and I still like it to this day. And uh, some of the uh, tracks on the latter half of the uh, album, like uh, One Night and uh, Out Late and Effed Over stayed with me for, uh, stayed in my rotation for quite a while. Minnesota was really catchy to me and uh, the whole album was kind of a novelty. I, uh, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And a lot of it for me was a vindication of uh, like, okay, like let's enter this new era. Let's have that. Uh, the Fantana review was, was something that I was happy about, not necessarily because I agreed with all of it, but because I was like, okay, I'm glad that this is getting recognition as some sort of uh, new thing that's happening. And uh, let's, let's see where this takes us. Yeah. I was a little slower to come to that realization. Nowadays I, I listen to it and I'm like, we're just here to have fun. Like my big takeaway is just, there's a lot of novelty here and there's there's a lot more songs that I really like that I'm, I'm keeping with me. Like Wanna Be Us was one of those, those big ones. I guess listening today for the pod, listening it a couple times, I want to dig into the themes. I want to read it like a book and believe that there's some big brain mastermind concept. But I feel like if, if you dig a little too much into it, you're going to get a little disappointed. Like there are certain things that maybe I'll mention later that if you're really squinting and trying to read read into it, you can create your kind of interpretation, but that's all sort of in your head. That's that's not really justified. What what are your takeaways kind of listening to it now? I think there are some parts um, lyrically that you can point out are yeah, a lot of it with this sort of music is like, yeah, your own interpretation of it and the emotion that they put into the tracks. And some of them here, especially the vulnerability kind of shown on One Night and songs like One Night and Out Late and Left Over, especially, kind of bring out a sort of, okay, this is this is sort of meaningful. My takeaway listening to it now, looking back on it is, you know, unfortunately to me, it sounded a a bit stale when I when I listened to it, just because you know this did usher in an era, but I think it ushered in era of a lot of better bubblegum trap. Looking back on it, a lot of uh, bubblegum trap that is a little more coherent, uh, a little more uh, versatile, can keep you know a whole album going. the 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 concept of the album, I feel like, is not fully explored, and that's something that uh, I guess I want to kind of bring up now is this this sort of uh the album introduces itself the intro which i think is one of the stronger tracks on the album kind of introduces this dichotomy of lil yachty 
and Lil Boat. Uh, Lil Yachty, of course, is the, the name right. of the rapper, uh, and Lil Boat is the name of the project, but uh, he's treating these two as like an alter egos. Say, I'm going to tell you a little story about my two nephews, Lil Yachty and Lil Boat. Well, I don't know where to start. Look, here's Lil Boat now. Lil Boat! Okay. I've got these strange voices inside my head. Keep it stacking through Yeti beside my bed. Not to be you know, as the you know, story unfolds, and you know what I'm saying? The story gets told. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about Yadi. He's a little bit nicer. Let's call him. alter egos where Lil Yachty kind of represents the croony auto-tune young thug-esque sort of bubblegum experience that's uh, a lot more lighthearted and Lil Boat is sort of the mean mugging uh, rapping. you know yeah. yeah rapping sort of guy uh, sort of like a Slim Shady Marshall Mathers sort of uh, thing and uh, he introduces it in the intro he explores it on a couple of tracks but i feel like the concept isn't actually fully fleshed out and when you look at other bubblegum trap records or or uh, trap records that that sort of take influence from this sort of style there's a lot more now that i can name that do have a more coherent vibe and and can actually put out a whole album that's not that doesn't sound so overdone by the end of it so you know looking back on it again and it's it's part of the why we talked about earlier like why why choose this album it it's it's not that it ages so so great i think at least for me but um there's there are aspects here that's that are so important to like what rap looked like going forward and a lot of better stuff that took a lot of influence from here yeah jumping back to the concept i'm i'm a sucker for concept albums i if there's a concept if there's something on the rap genius page to read into like i'm checking that out like i i think there was a lot of potential for this alter ego these two different people Lil yachty little boat i keep confusing them but the only way i could really read into it because he only specifically mentions it like twice the actual concept is you have to interpret certain songs as Lil yachty the croony songs the happy-go-lucky croony songs and other songs as like little boat songs. And if you go to the second half of the record where you start with one night, there's a lot of different emotions going and it feels like he's switching song to song to song. So one night he goes, can't have a wife, can't commit. And then the next song out late, He's all happy-go-lucky and he's in love and he just wants to be with his boot. Right. Yeah. There's, there's this uh, idea that like the little Yachty character is softer and the vulnerability kind of comes out on songs like one night, even afterwards. Cause I think there's a hidden veil in one night, the, Oh, you know, the, the whole lyric, the lyrics are, Oh, he only wants you for a night. He's not committing yada, yada, yada. But then, uh, you know, the second verse comes along and you're like, Oh, okay. He's almost a little desperate. He's like, okay, don't tell no one, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then talking about like, he has this line where he says, you know, ain't no other girl gonna F me the way you do. 
And uh, it's sort of indicative of the fact that uh, he's like, he wants her for a night or he wants to pose that he wants her for a night, but he also finds some sort of affirmation in her that he thinks he won't be able to find elsewhere. Uh, It's an interesting track that explores a lot of stuff. uh, And I think uh, once again, sort of uh, hints at the the nihilism of the SoundCloud era rap, where it's, uh, it's a little hedonistic, but to the point of understanding impending doom and not committing because uh, committing is is uh, nothing is nothing is forever. It's it's a strange. They, of, of course, this is extrapolating from lyrics that are pretty simple, but uh, I think he gets the message across. Uh, but it, it certainly isn't something that is so fleshed out there, and and I wish it was explored more. But moving on, um, we can talk about the best moment on the album. Uh, what was that for you, Alex? I think there's specifically a moment on wanna be us where yachty during his first goes into like a little falsetto i need a mouth full of rice and i need me a roly need a message for my brodies need my diamonds to be dancing and my ears love it he's not saying much but we'll play a little clip right here we already played the clip what about you what was a moment you you loved on the record one of my favorite moments uh was <laughs> wanna be us the whole uh, uh, the whole song in general, but the second verse especially, the uh, feature by the Good Perry, which, spoiler alert, I do have that as my best feature, but I'll name a couple of other features that'll be nominees for me. Yes, all of these they know. I need my like a racist. Got your like the Ganges. Walking on water like Jesus. But I thought that verse was really well done. And again, uh, has a, a couple of really funny bars. And a couple of weird, funny bars like that, that of course are like not taking it seriously, but it's uh, it brings out the fun elements of this record and, you know, highlights that kind of make it worthwhile coming back to me to, to or coming back to the record and, and listening to, because they're just like, you know, that's funny. That just brings a smile to my face. I have the chorus on the song effed over because I played it 3 million times. Yeah, you told me before we're I think it's very cathartic. I think it's it's one of those songs you can play kind of like over and over. And if if you're quote unquote down bad, it's kind of like a down bad anthem. And that was one of my down bad ad anthems for the year 2017, not 2016. And and I was a little ashamed of it, to be quite honest. I was like, oh man, I when the Spotify wrapped, when my Spotify numbers come out at the end of the year, I don't want my number one played song to be effed over by Lil Yachty. Because what does that say about me? What does that say about how I feel about myself and what I'm going through at this time? So I remember specifically like running up the numbers on another like really sad song. It's called North Pole by Injury Reserve. Plastic confidence, I know you see it through. Nothing fails faster than a reboot. Nothing feels only like a half truth. Spiral twist. So that that would be my top song. And so I could like share my Spotify wrapped and it doesn't say effed over. Like, hey mom, my favorite song is effed over. Like, so that's kind of my experience with the effed over song. I think it's catchy. I think it's repetitive. And if you're down bad, it's a down bad anthem. Yeah, if I can say a few words on that that track, I may not have, I, I, I like the track. It's one of my favorites on the record. 
I may not have his personal experience with it, but I think it's very emblematic of the sort of like laid back, almost like zanned out uh, vibe that a lot of the the SoundCloud era ends up producing where it's uh, it's cathartic, but it's not so overbearing. Of course, he's not screaming the lyric. He's not screaming that he's effed over. He's just kind of, you know, melodically, somberly declaring it. And uh, there is some there's some aspect of that that I think encapsulates the sort of vibe that that both Yachty and uh, his uh, other later contemporaries like uh, Famous Dex and Playboy Cardi, Lil Uzi Vert, uh, end up exploring as well, where, um, yeah, it's more uh, melancholy, but it can sound, of course, upbeat. It has this uh, weird, airy, bubblegum, childish flavor to it. But the lyrics that he's exploring are kind of, yeah, nihilistic, a little sad, uh, a little dark. And so that, that, that's one of the highlights for me. And, and, and one of the things that definitely works about the minimalistic uh, style of this record. Yeah, not something you'd expect from a mixtape that samples Finding Nemo, per se. So I, exactly. I guess, yeah, I guess moving on. What's age the best for you in this album, Mario? I think what's aged the best about this album is the bubblegum trap sound in general. Uh, I think it sounds great. Uh, I think looking back, it makes me really nostalgic for that era. Again, this album served as a real great introduction to it. And it's cool to see where it's come since. There's a lot of people who still do this sort of music. But uh, when it did peak around you know 2016 to 2018, it was really cool. And it was a big part of like my early college experience and hearing a lot of that sound and a lot of what it ended up branching out to like more aggressive stuff, like the little pump and the smoke perps kind of, kind of sound uh, and the XXX tentacion sound and the juice world sound, all of those branch out into really cool territories for me that um, of course, Lil Yachty doesn't necessarily sound emo here, but it's hard to argue that some of his influence doesn't seep into the sort of, wider soundcloud culture that was that was very very definitive of the 2018 sound so that that aged really well for me the album is a lot more fun when you view it as foreshadowing of what's to come especially on that same platform soundcloud live on what's aged the best is just yachty singing and the emotional potency of the second half of the album i think there's a lot of interesting songs like i'm sorry i'm sorry I'm sorry. Cause I didn't know, baby. I didn't know. Effed over like one night. He's not exploring a lot lyrically, but he's exploring a lot emotionally. All right. So, Mario, what has aged the worst on this album? Some of the worst moments, I think, were the overly done auto tune moments now for me. Those didn't age great. And it was something that definitely was a little bit more left behind. Uh, from a previous era sounds like weirdly uh, influenced by like 808s and heartbreak by by Kanye and that sort of kind of was was left behind that's that sort of style wasn't really incorporated later on and uh, I think for good reason it sounds a little too overdone and although it's self-aware enough to pull it off in this album and to have it going it, it just gets a little bit stale and some of the catchier tracks uh, I don't think this is necessarily the case for me but Looking back at tracks like Minnesota that, again, are catchy for me and uh, I personally like it, it can get just a bit too much. The The style can get a little annoying. I mean, it's very childish. I, I find it similar to like sometimes when, you know, you'll have SpongeBob on, on in the background and some days like you'll think it's like really funny 
And then other days you'll hear like SpongeBob's gritty laugh and like the little, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then you're like, why did I ever find this funny? It's kind of, it's kind of similar to, to moments like that, like, like going back to a childhood movie and, and, and sometimes the nostalgia really gets you, but other times you're just like, oof, like, uh, I, I don't know. I just don't know what this is. So that was kind of aspects uh, that age the worst for me. I also have Minnesota. I, my my analogy was Minnesota is like cinnamon vodka. It's like that favorite type of hard liquor that you liked in college, maybe. But then after having it like one too many times in a row, your body gags whenever you, you hear it. I loved it at first, and but after a couple of listens, it's it's just a bit much. The other thing I have is Yachty doesn't really have much to say i think lyrically in this one they're on wannabe us it sounds like he says like she smell like emoji and i, I was like does she smell like moki like the the special ice cream and i had to look it up and it's she smiles like emoji and i was like oh very very clever a lot of thought put in that line that's news to me. I thought it was smell like emoji and I, I just went with it. Quick transition. I guess since we're talking about what's age the worst, uh, we can do this now. Like if you were the executive producer of this album, how would you fix it? Because I feel like there's a great, Ooh. great project here, but there's some low hanging fruit we have to get before we can get there. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Uh, I think this album would be less charming if there was like, such big executive production into making it an artistic thing a la like rodeo or something because i think it would lose a little bit of charm but what i would clean up is definitely as we touched on before like the concept of the album and i would add more versatility Lil Yachty is capable of a little bit more and uh, he can branch out because sometimes eight tracks into this album you're like okay i've had it enough uh you know i've heard the whole shtick i can i get it now and i can move on stuff to make it tighter more cohesive and still more diverse i think would be would be beneficial yeah and some some songs are half-baked and i understand maybe that's part of the charm but i think outlate is just there there i think there are a couple skips here and they just worked on it a little bit maybe it's 12 bangers instead of like six all right, so let's get let's get into the best feature, Mario. What you mentioned, the good Perry, Burberry Perry. Um, yep. Any other features you want to highlight? No, so uh, the good Perry. You'll see him listed on this album as the good Perry. He uh, was at the time known as Burberry Perry, but he got sued by Burberry, the uh, clothing company, for using their name, and <laughs> he had to change his name to the good Perry. He has some great features on this, and uh, he was also involved in some of the production and the writing on this as well. Uh, I hope Lil Yachty considers working with him again. I hear that they don't have as solid of a relationship as they did. Uh, that's unfortunate, but he has a really good feature on Wanna Be Us. The other one I want to highlight is Skip of the Flippa on Minnesota. I think he has a, a, a great verse that switches up the entire vibe of the track and adds a whole another layer to that song. That, that one's like the biggest probably hit or miss for people on the album. You either kind of like Minnesota or you don't. Alex and I tend to be fans, um, but I totally understand if you listen to this and you're like, wow, wow, this is 
No, uh, because it is kind of a joke, but Skip of the Flippa brings a sort of edge to it uh, and Quavo too earlier on the track. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's well done. And that track was definitely one that needed features and the features delivered. One thing I like about Minnesota is that the beat starts high da, 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 and then, then the beat goes low and then the rapper has to match that. So yeah like yachty has starts high and and then and then he's like oh snap i i need to do this you need to just stay up in the streets if you can't take <laughs> yeah it, it's like a challenge in a way uh, yeah my honorable mention for a feature was Quavo. I think this is an era of prime Quavo where he's extremely charming. And I just love it when he says, I love my Motorola like four times in a row. I love my Motorola. I love my Motorola. I love my Motorola. I love my Motorola. I love it. I'm here for it. That part uh, gets me really hype, actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about it, but yeah. It's his, it's his burner phone. My winner was on the track up next to uh, B-U, I, B-Yow, I, I can't pronounce it right. He's just throwing a lot of quotables out here. And I don't want to step too hard on my, my best quote, but like he starts it off with saying like, hot box in a drop top. Uh, now the coupe looks like a crock pot. He's just able to string line to line to line together. And I, I think it's very charismatic. Which feature would, do you wish was on the album, Mario? Looking back, some cool, also silly rappers that would have been cool in this era to have on this Playboy Cardi and Saw Baby, two, uh, two rappers that kind of adopted this sort of style and uh, I think do it better in their later tapes. And yeah, it would have been cool to have like the weird, silly octopus under the sea bars of Saw Baby and then some weird, you know, baby voice droned out playboy cardi verse i think those would have served in, in general more more features would have been great on this yeah i struggled on this one i i just said smino um smino melodic rapper from st louis i think could have put together a pretty great feature definitely um, what's your favorite quote on the album i chose a couple from minnesota because i think that 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 track is just full of hilarious lines uh i love the i love the line where he says, I was eating pork and rinds with a from New York Times. I don't eat no pork and rinds, but that was mighty fine. Uh, and I love it for a few reasons. Like, for one, I think he's just poking fun at the fact that he was kind of blowing up during this era. And yeah, probably had a New York Times interview or whatever. But pork and rinds, pork, I think he's just referencing pork rinds. He just ate yeah. pork rinds, but he said pork. And that's not rinds. actually a food. And that's not a, that's not a food. And I don't know. It's just one of those hilarious, charming lines that come in a floaty, very lighthearted part of the album that I think is really self-aware and very cute. And then later on in the track, another line of his where he says, uh, he's got gold on, on my necklace, tatted up my arms. Now my mama think I'm reckless. I got gold all on my necklace. Tatted up my arms, now my mama think I'm reckless. Got guns under my mattress. 
Uh, I think it's really cute because it's just he says it in such a way that's like it's so lighthearted and uh, it's such a deviation from traditional like gangster rap where they would say, yeah, gold on on my necklace, tatted on my arms and uh, say it in a really thugged way. But two octaves up. Yeah, he (laughs) says this two octaves up and he's like singing it and crooning it. And I mean, he says it. if I could do a little impression, he goes, you know, gold on on my necklace tatted up my arms now my mama think i'm reckless it sounds like he's like doing a nursery rhyme yeah it's 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 almost it's like a it's like a little children's song that he's making adding that little twist to it i think is just it's it adds it 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 highlights the charm of this album i'm i've mixed feelings about minnesota but catch me at the right time and i liked some minnesota my favorite quote was from the second verse of Up Next 2 by B.U. B.Y.O. B.Y.O. Ming. I, I don't know. He ends his verse after like 15 quotables and he says, raising bars like bench press how to get this off, off my chest. It's a pretty hype moment of the album. I think it's a capper to a pretty exciting BU-verse. Transition. I have commercial numbers next. Uh, commercial numbers. Mixtape had 278,000 DatPiff downloads. Looking on SoundCloud, One Night has 58 million streams. It's obviously spilled onto Spotify where it has hundreds of millions of streams now. So our next category is album parent which is what are some albums, people, or influences that you think helped create this record? Do you have any album parents, Mario? It's tough because I think that this album is so unique and so introductory to the SoundCloud era that I think it has many children and not so many parents. But one that I kind of could find was uh, a, uh, a famous Dex mixtape that came out 2015. Famous Dex is sort of the same airy bubbly lighthearted style over trap beats not quite the same as little boat but uh it does kind of draw some parallels of this sort of like benzo influence like druggy weird floaty sound that is very linked to the bubblegum trap that we hear on Lil yacht and on Lil yachty's little boat yeah if you if you really want to stretch back on influences you could say anything with auto-tune is influenced by 808s and heartbreak by kanye west Pitchfork basically called Lil Yachty an I love McConan clone. Got the club going up on a Tuesday. Got your girl in the cut she chooses. And they said that his sound, sort of the childish atmosphere is, sounds a lot like McConan. Um, what do you have for album Children? Which is albums that have been influenced that came after Lil Boat. Yeah, an album that I definitely see influenced by Little Boat is um, Ugly Gods, The Booty Tape, that ends up coming uh, 2017. That also has this kind of joke style, charming in, it, in its willingness not to take itself seriously, and the delivery being comedy-esque and uh, child-esque, even though the content must not is obviously not necessarily meant for children or about, about any of those themes. Another one I had was Playboy Cardi's self-titled. I think takes a lot of the more airy aspects of this, but Pierre Bourne's production gives a whole nother spin that I think makes it a little more psychedelic and drug-influenced than Lil Boat. But in general, the whole, again, the whole SoundCloud 
mumbly, airy, benzo-influenced style. A lot of people like Young Bands and Six Dogs uh, definitely find a lot of influence in, in this early Lil Yachty era. For mine, I have Juice World, um, mainly because I listen to a lot of Juice World. I feel like a lot more the melodic crooning sounds pretty similar to what you hear on this tape. I, I think the song specifically, All Girls Are the Same, feels like it could have landed right on Lil Boat. So that was one of the main comparisons I could think of for children. All right, so it's time for our favorite segment, Unnecessary Basketball Comparison, where we take something on this album or this album or Lil Yachty and somehow compare it to basketball. I have two. Let's see which one sticks. My first one is Michael Carter-Williams from the Philadelphia 76ers in the 2013 basketball draft. For all my NBA heads out there, Michael Carter-Williams, 11th pick in the draft. He starts his career with a near quadruple double versus LeBron James as the Sixers beat the defending, the defending champion Miami Heat. Michael Carter-Williams goes on to win Rookie of the Year until the league realizes he's not a franchise player and now he is an 11th man and not super relevant in the league. That's my first comparison. I like that one. Very, very apt. Definitely someone who came through and showed a lot of potential at first and then fizzled out with every single game, every single album uh, since, uh, and is, is now considered someone who's uh, not particularly relevant in the industry. That's a good one. My comparison was JaVale McGee. I yeah, thought I that um, the sort of goofy, clowny, silly nature of, of JaVale McGee's career uh, I see parallels to a lot of people ripped on Liliati. I mean, this album didn't, did, obviously didn't come without its own critics as well. People who uh, kind of point to Liliati as the, you know, like the Shaq and a Fool character of the rap game of like, haha, uh, let's laugh at, at this guy and how silly he is and how goofy and clumsy he is and how much of not a real basketball player he is or not of a real rapper he is. And Despite that, JaVale McGee has found his success in the league. He's got uh, a, a ring or two. Yeah, he's got a couple and ton of dunks from LeBron, yeah. Steph, KD. Yeah. Like. And not a, not a horrible career. Obviously, someone who is not as relevant in terms of actual basketball prowess. But uh, he's talked about a lot despite that because he's popular and goofy and silly. And uh, his teammates say he's a really good teammate despite all that. And uh, he occasionally has little goofs and mess ups that people like to point to to, to kind of uh, illustrate the fact that uh, he is a goofy character and he, he is clumsy enough to the point of like you wonder why is he even on an NBA roster. But at the end of the day, he does have something to contribute. Yeah, and those goofs are why we love JaVale McGee. Um, mm-hmm. So to ex- extend your analogy, would – JaVale McGee making Team USA, would that be the equivalent of Lil Yachty on the 2016 Double XL Cypher? <laughs> Just get, what, getting a gold medal with, for that with Kodak yep. and Uzi. Yachty definitely deserved to be in that class, but there, we, the one thing that, that, that's important to note is that class was stacked and there were two other Cyphers. The fact that Lil Yachty did get, happen to get the one that, the, the cipher that blew up, the cipher that had all the other big names. Uh, instead of, you know, he could have been included in designer and Lil Yachty's cipher uh, and Anderson Pack cipher. I mean, that was a loaded class. That cipher was not 
the that not the beginning or the end of that class. And uh, he did happen again on the cipher that uh, was the most popular and had uh, had the biggest names. So yeah, what's really interesting is there's three ciphers and ten people, and they put five on that legendary cipher. They put three on another one and two on another. And I think it's pretty genius by Double XL. They're just like, we're gonna put these five people in the same room and they're gonna create magic. It's their most viewed video to date. I have another unnecessary basketball comparison. It is Ari McDonald. So let me explain who Ari McDonald is. She is a superstar scorer. Lil Yachty in our lives is like a shooting star. One star that likes to shoot a ton is Ari McDonald of the Arizona Wildcats uh, from this past NCAA women's basketball. She was a little undersized at 5'6", playing at Arizona, a team that wears red, just like Lil Yachty's hair. They're definitely a tier two program, but seemingly out of nowhere, she comes and puts puts the program on her back and carries them to the championship game, beating UConn along the way, leading the nation in score. I think she wins national player of the year and she may not have a boat but if she catches you on an island you're going to be swimming with the fishes and they aren't finding nemo they're not finding dory and they sure as hell ain't finding you so don't get caught on an island with Ari mcdonald aka big boat i don't know that I like was my it. comparison yeah i like it i like it i think this next question is the reason we have this question as a category <laughs> would this work as an npr tiny desk concert um i have this as a probably not uh i think there are a couple of songs that would maybe work but the autotune heavy nature of it and the lighthearted nature of it i think wouldn't be reproduced quite as well um but that's not to say this would be amazing in regular con it's kind of it's kind of something that just uh needs a certain time and place and I'm not sure about it as an NPR Tiny Desk concert. I'm, I'm a no for this. I agree with you that this Tiny Desk concert may not work out, but I would love to see them try. I think one night, never switch up. I'm sorry. I think there's a lot of potential there. And if I see a thumbnail of Lil Yachty doing Tiny Desk, I'm clicking on it. And there we go. Definitely, I'm clicking on it. That's for sure. Next up, we have Apex Mountain, so where we discuss is this the peak of blank? So is this the peak of Lil Yachty? Is this the peak of bubblegum trap rap? Obviously, I, I think it goes, we don't have to dwell on this. Like this feels like the peak for Lil Yachty. Like he's, he's still a relevant figure on Twitter, a relevant personality, but I don't, I don't know if he's creatively. I was hyped for the <laughs> next Lil Yachty album. I, I had Lil Yachty stock and it went all GameStop on me and I bought it at the peak and now it's, it's been a tough holding on to my little Yachty shares has been a little tough. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you? No, same. Um, this is peak little Yachty for sure. And likewise, I, I bought into that to sound and I was, I was excited for what he'd do next. And he went, you know, very commercial, very stream heavy and diverged from uh, the production and, and the connection to the good Perry uh, that I think built a lot of this sound too, just didn't quite go anywhere, fortunately. But this is peak Yachty, and I think it is peak bubblegum trap. I think it's the grand introduction to it, and I think it is sort of the the, the sets the standard for the style that ended up defining rap or a certain lane of, of subgenre of rap for a little while. To that, it's very influential, and again, speaking through why we're even talking about it, I think it's a uh, 
I think it did a really good job at, at uh, putting that on the map and paving the way for a lot of other people to do similar music. For Apex Don, I, I do not have this as a peak of SoundCloud era. What, what would you say is the peak for the SoundCloud era? I think this is a good, as good a time as any to talk about that. I think probably peak, peak for the SoundCloud era was Look At Me, when Look At Me by Tentacion comes out. I think that was probably the peak of that whole culture. Yeah, the hype, the hype was big. That was, a, that was a big platform for a lot of like more inexperienced, independent artists like X, like Lil Pump, like Smoke Perp to release their their music and uh it was it was kind of kind of peak hype of that uh and it was a massively streamed song all right any skips on the album mario on this masterpiece for me my skips of the album are good day the interlude and the last song we did it uh i think those just drag for me uh again it's, it's a bit overdone and like all the other yadi albums it is Still, at the end of the day, a little bit bloated. So those three could go for me. Yeah, we did it out late. Not my bro, but you could argue a lot of songs are skips uh, on this one, unfortunately. Uh, What are your favorite songs? Number three, I have One Night, which I think is still a great track. Obviously, the main song, the the lead single, the, the famous one, the one that people might remember. And it's a really great track. I think there's a lot to explore there. And even like the, the lyrics, even though they're, they don't, you know, they're not crazy deep or whatever. Uh, I think they, they can bring out a lot after several listens. Uh, number two, I have Never Switched Up. Uh, I thought that was a great track, especially listening to it now. Was a lot more fleshed out. It was uh, really, really nice to hear. Uh, went with the album and the, the cohesion was, was totally there. Uh, and my number one favorite song is my favorite song from this tape when, when I first listened to it, which is Wanna Be Us. Uh, Wanna Be Us, I think, is a really good one. Very lighthearted, uh, puts you in the mood, always puts a smile on my face. And I, I think that's one track that uh, everyone should probably check out from this album. I have Wanna Be Us as my number two song. Number one, I have Effed Over, according to my Spotify data. Number three, I have Up Next Two. I, I think. The verses are a lot of fun. I also have I'm sorry, but you could have told me like one night. I think there's a bunch of there's a bunch of keepers here. And you don't get that with a ton of projects, especially five years later. That's right. Next category, uh classic, cult classic, too early to tell, high school classic, middle school classic, preschool classic. What what are we rating? What what is this album to people to you? Uh, I think it gets close to a cult classic. I think the Fantana review has a lot to do with it. Uh, it was pretty well received by him, and therefore it actually got decent attention from the backpack rap community, which um, was unexpected kind of for this and also sort of helped bring up its clout in the uh, nerd internet talk about music uh, circle. Uh, and so for that, uh, I think there are some people, a lot of people around that consider this, and again, because of its status is so introductory to this uh, little subgenre, uh, and like one of the first to do it, gets the status as cult classic to a lot of folks. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Fantano. He, he's not, he doesn't quite have his full king-making powers, like that'll come with Brockhampton, but it does bump things up or down 
for the artists and you see him having like a little bit more impact in, in 2016 onward. I have it as a cult classic as well. I, I think there are a lot of elements that make it high school classic. Like it's a high school classic for us in college. My one year as a teacher, I had one kid, I asked him who his favorite rapper was and he said Lil Yachty. And I was like, you know, he peaked two years ago, right? Like, <laughs> I tried to explain Apex Mountain to this uh, 14 year old kid and he, he didn't quite get it about Lil Yachty. I was like, it's okay. I sold him my Lil Yachty shares and I felt bad about it, but <laughs> finally found a buyer. So here we go. Um, what do you rate this album out of 10, Mario? So uh, for me, I, I got to be honest, I used to rate it higher, I think. Looking back on it, there's a lot of other Bubblegum Trap that does it better. There are a lot of other SoundCloud rap albums that do it better, even conceptually, uh, lyrically, all of that stuff. I think I admire Lil Yachty here for, for being the first, being innovative, being very self-aware on this record. And in general, I do enjoy it. Uh, I find myself going back to some tracks a lot. It's still in my rotation. That being said, there are glaring weaknesses here. The sound gets a little stale towards the end. You sort of get the point after a few tracks and the gimmick wears off. Uh, and uh, I understand, I, I personally buy into the gimmick. Uh, I kind of liked it, but I totally see the very valid criticisms, criticisms here of that there's not much to this album. And uh, there's, at the end of the day, even if you thought it was pretty good, you're probably going to step away from it thinking, okay, that was enjoyable. I might go back and enjoy that some more, but not any more than you would a sitcom that you put in the background and you're like, haha, that joke was funny. I heard it five times before, but it still kind of gets a chuckle out of me. It's that sort of enjoyment. It's vapid. It's, there's, there's not uh, much here that I could say is so critically worthy of acclaim. And so for that, uh, my personal rating out of 10, uh, I put this album as a 5.5. Ouch, 5.5. That's you're a lot closer to Pitchfork than Fantana there. Um, yeah. It's okay. I gave it a 6 out of 10. I, I feel like that's its ceiling in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. There are a lot of songs I, I genuinely like to at times love. There are moments I love. There are a lot of glaring weaknesses and as much of my philosophy is just take the tracks you like and as long as if you get three to four tracks in an album, that's that's a win. And so I, I think it's a win. It's it's a mild win. It's a six out of ten. I, I like the novelty. I just wish when I dug in that the little boat, little yachty themes that there was just like a little bit more of a concept there because i wish i didn't have to make it up myself um definitely i mean uh the album's fun and uh someone who likes rap or likes this subgenre of rap will definitely find their three four or five tracks here uh and we'll probably remember three four five tracks here for a while that uh that are pretty good and pretty catchy and uh fun and memey and um just nice to put on once in a while Overall, as a whole project, it doesn't blow you away uh, and it doesn't necessarily leave you with uh, much to take home to write about. Um, that being said, it's it's fun and it's worth a listen. And uh, if you're interested in sort of like modern rap history, very modern contemporary rap history, I think this is a, this is an album you should listen to uh, and, uh, and take note of when you listen to albums that come afterwards uh, in terms of what it takes from it. It's a fun little point of, in history. 
one last fun little point. Check out that transition. Uh, the bottom of the cover features, this is a fun fact. So bottom of the cover features coordinates that read 33.75 north, 84.39 west. Do you possibly, do you, can you guess where the, what, where those location, what the location of those coordinates is? Somewhere in Atlanta. Yeah, so it's it directs to a Bank of America in the Five Points District in the Atlanta where Lil Yachty grew up. I think it's funny that it's, it's the bank because Lil Yachty goes to the bank after, <laughs> after his album. That's pretty funny. He's lost at sea on the cover, but I, I hope he made it back to the to the Bank of America in his own neighborhood because, you know. There's a lot to put in the bank. There's I saw a report that Quality Control said in 16 months, he made $13 million. And that's, that's not like Jordan Belfort uh, trying to make a million a week, but that's almost like a million a month. And that's for this, for Lil Bo. Yeah. Lil Bo, we miss you, man. We, 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 we hope, I think, speaking, if I can speak for Alex and I, you know, this is our favorite project from him. And I hope to see him come back to this, the sound. I probably wouldn't rate any of his, other projects as highly as this one. I didn't even rate this one that highly, <laughs> but, uh, but I enjoy this and, uh, and I think it's cool and I think it's funny and I think it's uh, charming for all those reasons. And maybe it's uh, lightning in a bottle and uh, it'll never come back, but uh, sometimes that's the beauty in a lot of rap artists. Awesome. I think we miss any, any hot takes you want to get off your chest, like bench press, raisin bars. No, sir. Well, thank you for listening to the Reclassical Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care.